30 teams in 30 days on the Did You Hear podcast, part of the Blue Wire Hustle podcast network. We are six days away from April 1st, which is opening day of the 2021 Major League Baseball regular season. I will spend each day in March previewing all 30 Major League Baseball teams in alphabetical order. So today is March 26th, and I continue on with the Oakland Athletics. Less than a week now, things are getting finalized, things are getting real, and the I'm excited to talk about the A's today because a lot of people think that the AL West is going to be a relatively wide open division race this year. A lot of people think the A's are primed to run away with it. And unfortunately, to all my Oakland fans listening, I disagree. I am much lower on the A's than a lot of people think, and it's because I don't think that the A's have the necessary power hitting or and slash or the necessary top-heavy pitchers, and most notably starting pitchers, to match up against the Astros hitters that I think will rebound and the Astros, uh, excuse me, the Angels hitters that I think will have great seasons. So though I'm low on the Angels and Astros pitching, I think both of those offenses are still really good. And the A's are a bit average at both. So I'll get into it now. As usual, I'll go through history of the team, wrap up the offseason, position breakdown, starting pitching, relief pitching, bench, and prospects before I finish with my philosophy on this team. The A's have had a lot of success lately, and it culminated in their first division title since 2013 in the shortened 2020 season. So just a couple of months ago, the A's finished 36-24 and in the 60-game 2020 season. They finished first in the AL West, but they were bounced early in the playoffs. So they did end a seven-year drought where they hadn't won the division title because the Astros had been so dominant for many of those years. But they did have success in previous years. So in 2019, they won the wild card berth. They finished 97 and 65, and that wasn't enough to win the division. They actually had the exact same record in 2018. They won the wild card again. And in 2017, they were 75 and 87. They finished last in the West. So that tells me that there has been a ton of turnover in the AL West for the A's to finish from last place to first place in four seasons. And it also shows me that the A's really put things together. And they were able to do that by having absolutely incredible defense. And a lot of that defensive talent is still on this team. And they were also able to do it with a lot of unconventional hitting, which I'll get into. So the reason why I'm low on this team is because I just don't think they have enough stars on either side of the field to really get things done. To give them some credit, this team had a 600 winning percentage last year. They won that first division title since 13. They actually had bad performances from most of their key players besides the guys in the bullpen and a few breakout pitchers, but they were able to win with their defense and they were able to capitalize on the weak Astros or the struggling Astros is more uh, a better way to put it, and the weak Angels and Rangers and etc. So you would think that if those hitters 
and the pitchers can play better than they did last year. They can repeat pretty easily because, again, they won it and they weren't full strength. But I kind of lean the other way. So I'll wrap up the offseason now. It was a unique one because they were pretty much quiet until February. When things were starting to look really dire, when no moves were being done, and Oakland fans started getting really upset, that's when the A's really turned things up. So they added Elvis Andrews in a trade that sent Chris Davis to a division rival in the Texas Rangers. They have some nice shortstop depth now because they parted ways with Marcus Semien in free agency this offseason. They also picked up Jed, Jed Lowry, who hasn't played in two seasons, but he could see some time at second base. And really strong, one of the best relievers on the market this offseason, Trevor Rosenthal. They also picked up DH Mitch Moreland and Sergio Romo, who could be another important bullpen piece for them this year. Like I said, they departed ways with a couple really key pieces. So they lost Marcus Semien, who had a down 2020, but finished third in AL MVP voting just two seasons ago. They lost one of the best relievers in the past two seasons, Liam Hendricks. They also lost Tommy LaStella, Chris Davis in in that Elvis Andrews trade. And they also lost their pretty everyday outfielder, Robbie Grossman, who went over to the Tigers. So now let's get into the position-by-position battle. I think there actually is some flexibility here, and a lot of it has to do with injuries. So I don't feel like one last week in spring training is going to change Bob Melvin's mind in terms of getting giving, just as an example, Mitch Moreland the DH position over Sean, uh, excuse me, Seth, Seth Brown. But some guys are hurt, so that might make things have to happen for that specific reason. So one of those guys, catcher Sean Murphy, he is most likely still going to be able to slot in on opening day, but he had two surgeries back in January for a collapsed lung. So when stuff like that happens, you obviously prioritize the health. Baseball comes secondarily in that situation, but Bob Melvin and Murphy himself are saying that it was kind of just a freak accident. He's been recovering well. He's seen time in the Cactus League now, and he should be okay for spring training. This offseason, the A's and and culminating their draft picks too, they have some nice catching depth behind Murphy, but Murphy is still young, and if he's healthy, he's going to be the everyday guy behind the plate. At first, this is an easy one. It's Matt Olson. He is the team's best left-handed hitter in an otherwise very right-handed hitting dominant lineup, if that makes sense. So in 2020, Matt Olson is a really interesting player because he hits for power. He hits 14 home runs. He hits right in the middle of that lineup. He is known as a power guy. But in 2020, he hit 195. That hit was his batting average over a full 60 games. He struck out on 31.4% of the time, highest rate ever in his career. So the strikeout numbers were way up. The contact rate and the batting average was way down. But I don't think people can should be overly concerned about Olsen because he still did have the power and he's looked good in spring training. It's just unique to see him still being so valuable to this team, hitting at such a low batting average. It's just odd. Second base... Right now, I'm giving the opening day nod to Jed Lowry. The reason you should be concerned, if you see that, is because Lowry has played just nine games in the last two seasons. 
He's dealt with knee injuries. He's dealt with surgery. He is seemingly healthy now, but just the adjustment period of coming back to the game in an everyday setting after basically taking a two-year hiatus is a lot to adjust to. The A's don't have a ton of other options. I'll get into Chad Pinder in a bit. He doesn't have a huge sample size in his career in the majors, but he can slot in there, and there are also a couple platoon options. But I think Jed Lowry is going to be that guy. They're calling upon his reputation and his supposed health now that he'll be able to perform immediately for this team. At third, the best player on this team, both offensively and defensively, it's Matt Chapman. He's won two gold gloves in his career. If it weren't for the power of Anthony Rendon and the defense and power of Nolan Arenado, I think Matt Chapman would easily be the best third baseman in the game because of how good he is defensively. And maybe you give him the defensive edge over Arenado even. Watch, do yourself a favor and watch a defensive YouTube clip of Matt Chapman making plays over at the hot corner because it's unbelievable. That being said... In 2020, he only played 37 games because he had season-ending hip surgery. He's healthy now. He might see a bit more of time at DH than usual, just as he transitions back to full playing time. But this team goes if Matt Chapman goes. He is a huge part of this team on both sides of the ball, and he'll be really important for the A's. He's a perennial gold glove candidate, perennial all-star candidate, And hopefully, he's always in MVP conversation before he's overshadowed by somebody else. But if he can keep those offensive numbers up, he will almost always be in contention for the MVP as well. Shortstop, it's the new guy, Elvis Andrews. So he turns 33 in August. It was definitely surprising to see the Rangers and the A's pull off this trade between or for Elvis Andrews, and they shipped off their DH, their power hitter of the past few years, Chris Davis. Just a few years ago, Chris Davis hit 48 home runs. I think people are forgetting that too easily, the way that Davis has declined lately because of health. But Elvis Andrews, again, he fills that immediate hole that had opened up because Marcus Semien is no longer on the team. He turns 33 in August, which is slightly concerning just because shortstop is such an athletic position. And And you could say that he really hasn't been the same since he broke his elbow back in 2018. He hit fine in 19 and 20, 263, 384 OBP. So I don't think those are numbers to cry over in any sense, but it's certainly not the Elvis Andrews of the early 2010s, even 2015. But I still think he provides some postseason experience. He is a nice veteran guy for these young players, and he will do just fine in an everyday role at shortstop in the wake of Marcus Semien, who is a hard guy to replace. Now let's move to the outfield. This is where you could see some flexibility or switching depending on if they if the A's are facing up against a left-handed versus right-handed pitcher, or if you see a guy like Tony Kemp earn some playing time, or spring training phenom Buddy Reed, or Seth Brown, any of those guys. But I believe that the starting lineup in left field, center field, and right field will be Mark Canna, Ramon Laureano, and Steven Piscotty, respectively. So quickly on those three guys. Canha really earned his spot on this team in 2020. He led the team in on-base percentage at 387, making him a nice candidate for the leadoff man. Ramon Ramon Laureano, excuse me, he's been just about average offensively, 
But man, do yourself a favor and watch some YouTube highlights of Ramon Laureano making those throws in center field. Him and Matt Chapman are absolute legends defensively. Ramon Laureano can do it with the glove and he can do it with the arm. He is absolutely exceptional on defense. And then Steven Piscotti puts two of those together on a lesser scale. He's a career OPS plus of 108, which is just above league average. He did have a career-high 27 home runs in 2018, so he could be a candidate for 20 to 25 homers a season, which is nice in this lineup. And then I'll finish up with the offensive battles with Mitch Moreland at DH. The A's picked him up late. He was exceptional in Boston at the beginning of 2020. His slash line was 328, 430, and 746 slugging. And then he really struggled when he was dealt to the Padres in the final 20 games of the season or so. The only issue, as a Boston fan, I saw a lot of regularity from Moreland. He's exceptional as a hitter, and he also can provide some gold glove backup to Matt Olson at first if needed. He will only start against righties. And it's interesting because when I talked about the Cubs, Jock Peterson, who has primarily seen time only against right-handed pitchers, I believe. I believe that Jock Peterson is a lefty. He wants to see some more time, some more at-bats and plate appearances from left-handed hitchers, left-handed pitchers. He feels like he hasn't been able to prove himself against both on, on both sides. Mitch Moreland has been able to prove himself, and his platoons are just so unbelievably drastic that you could almost bet that any time a lefty goes out there, you'll either see Mark Hanna, subbing in at DH or Jed Lowry, depending on health, or the new guy, Seth Brown. So they'll face lefties. Otherwise, you can pretty much bet that in the absence of Chris Davis, Mitch Moreland fits nicely in the DH role. And the aforementioned bench, Seth Brown, he's had three minor league seasons with at least 90 RBIs. So the power's there. He does need to improve a bit defensively and just find a find a place on this team. Because while there were openings Going into this season, the A's either filled a lot of them or players just played well enough that Seth Brown lost his order a bit. But he's always been an underdog. I think he has a really good mentality. And he did have an 815 OPS plus and 83 plate appearances in the majors. Chad Pinder, another guy, he had a career-high 370 plate appearances in 2019. So he's not a huge bulk guy, but he's very versatile, which is very valuable. And then you could see some Tony Kemp in the infield and outfield as well. Now let's move on to the starting pitchers. The AL West, man, you are not seeing a lot of extremely talented pitching like you're seeing in the NL East with the Nats and the Mets and the Braves or the NL West with the Dodgers and the Padres or even the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Rays pitching over in the AL East. The AL West, these pitching staffs are just trying to piece together a starting five week after week. And right now, that's not to say that there aren't a lot of talented players on this A's roster, but a lot of them are still pretty unproven. The few guys that aren't unproven, Frankie Montas, he did, his career high innings pitched is only 96 back in 2019. And that same year, he missed 80 games because he tested positive for a performance enhancing substance. That year in 2019, in the sample size that he had, he had a 161 ERA+. plus. He needs to find that form and kind of keep himself on the same track. You could see him being this quote-unquote ace on the A's roster this year. 
behind him, a guy that every player in baseball does not want to face. It's Jesus Lazardo. He finished eighth in Rookie of the Year voting last year, a 4-1-2 ERA and 59 innings pitch. I think that number is a bit misleading because of how good his stuff in is, and all he's done since the season ended was work on his mechanics to try and improve. Chris Bassett was the breakout candidate. In 2020, he had a 2-2-9 ERA and 63 innings pitch. He led the entire team in wins above replacement. This guy's 31. He's been in the majors for a few years, but he just got the right things working in 2020 and was able to throw this rotation on his back and the transition from him to their incredibly elite bullpen and closer in Liam Hendricks was a part of the it was one of the main reasons why the A's did so well last year. So they need more from Bassett and they also need to just see AJ Pook on the mound in 2020. This guy He's seen so many glimpses, but he's still a rookie in 2021. He's only had 11 and one-third innings pitched, like I mentioned. He's dealt with so many injuries, but he is one of the top prospects in this A's system, and he really just needs to show that he can be healthy and durable and get some time this year. Behind him, you'll see Sean Manea, who I believe was the opening day starter for the A's last year. He's definitely fallen a, a bit, but he is one of the longest tenured A's pitcher. He's, he actually threw 144-plus innings from 2016 to 2018. He dealt with injuries in 18, and, and from 19 to 20, he threw less than 54. So if he can get back to that form, even if he's not lights out like he used to be, at least he can slot in for 150-plus, which is valuable in this younger rotation. Mike Fires was also re-signed this offseason. He's dealing with some back hip injuries now, so he probably won't be ready until past April. But again, just another another vet that the A's can count on. Now let's move to that relief core before I finish up with the prospects in the Pakoda. I think the closer will come, it'll be a battle between Trevor Rosenthal, who was acquired this offseason, and Jake Diekman. So in 2020, both these guys had very good years last season. It was a shortened sample size, of course, but they put up good numbers. Diekman just gave up one earned run in over 21 innings. He also had the lowest whip of his career and the second highest strikeout to walk rate of his career. So interesting numbers there. I think his stuff is good, and he's worked really hard in spring training. And then Trevor Rosenthal, I mean, he was one of the most valuable relievers on the market this winter for a reason. Probably the most valuable behind Liam Hendricks, who the A's didn't sign back. Rosenthal gave up just five earned runs and over 23 innings pitched. He had a 1.90 ERA with a .85 whip in those 23 innings pitched in 2020. So he's dealt with injuries in the past, and I think in his walk year, In 2020, he proved that he can be healthy, and when he is healthy, he's extremely valuable. Other guys behind them, they brought on Sergio Romo, who's a nice vet. They brought on Adam Kolarik from the Dodgers, who's a proven winner. They picked up Cole Irvin this winter, who was acquired from the Phillies. He's young. He could provide some innings. And then the guy that I'm most excited about, Yusmero Petit, he is described by almost every single player on this A's team as the team dad. So just having that type of energy in the bullpen from a veteran guy is so valuable, especially on this young team. Prospects, the Athletics don't have any prospects listed on MLB's top 100 list. 
With that being said, I don't think you can consider their farm system weak. It's kind of a weird conundrum because you don't see those numbers, so you automatically think they're weak. I think the A's could have been in a better position because a lot of their draft picks didn't go or didn't progress the way the organization would have liked. That being said, they're really high on A.J. Pook, who we'll see a lot of time in 2021. Tyler Soderstrom is a third baseman catcher combo, which could be really lethal. Luis Barrera and Buddy Reed have been very successful in spring training this year. Buddy Reed actually was the backup quarterback to Kyler Murray at Oklahoma just a few seasons ago. So he is very athletic. He's a switch hitter to add to it. I wouldn't be surprised if we see some of Buddy Reed this season just because of how quickly he's excelled lately. And now that brings me to Pakoda. And I severely disagree with this one. Pakoda has the A's at 82 wins, finishing third in the AL West. I severely disagree with both. I think they will be way over 82 wins. I think I have them in the 85 to 88 range, maybe even hitting 90 if they can stay healthy. And I definitely have them finish finishing over the Los Angeles Angels. And you, if you are a fan of the A's, go ahead and listen to my previews of both the Angels and the Astros because I was very low on the Angels pitching staff. And unfortunately for A's fans, I'm very high on the Astros hitters rebounding. But the AL West, it is in an interesting position because the Astros haven't had the pitching dominance or they don't have the pitching dominance this year that they've had in the past. I do think their hitters, their hitters will rebound and be better than whatever offense the A's can put up. But if Chris Bassett has another huge year, if Lazardo and Pook and Montas are what these scouting reports have made them out to be, maybe this rotation really comes into its own. And maybe they can really succeed. Of course, you can expect, and at this point you do expect, production from Chapman and Olsen Mitch Moreland at this point, you need to see bounce back years from Jed Lowry and Elvis Andrews, both those guys staying healthy. I think there's reason to be excited. And I also think there's reason to think that the playoffs are definitely in the A's picture and potentially an AL West title is in their picture, but only if their offense can really step up and outperform the Astros, which personally... I don't think it's going to happen, but I definitely don't think this will be a down year for the A's. They've made the playoffs the last three years. I think that trend continues. I'm just not overly impressed by both their offense and their pitching staff. Their defense is incredible. They just need some of these guys to really step up. Maybe that's Ramon Laureano. Maybe if Ramon Laureano starts putting up hitting numbers, the A's get better. But losing Marcus Semien is a huge blow. They did have one of the best bullpens last year, and they lost their linchpin, Liam Hendricks. So all the guys that I mentioned, Rosenthal, Romeo, Petit, they're going to have to step up. And I think if the A's catch lightning in a bottle, they can make something happy. They can make something happen, excuse me. But otherwise, they're just going to keep plugging away. I think every win is extremely important. So the A's can try to hit that 85 to 88 mark again, way over Pakota's 83 wins. They actually had them at 82.6, so I think they're way over that. I don't know if the AL West title is in their future, but hey, 
if anybody can do it, it's Matt Chapman over at third base. So as long as he stays healthy, the A's will once again have another gold glover cementing himself as one of the best third basemen of all time. So that'll wrap up my Oakland Athletics preview. Make sure to check out the link in the bio of this episode for any previous season previews that you missed that were published on SoundCloud before I switched over to the Did You Hear podcast feed. Thank you for listening, and make sure to tune in tomorrow for a Philadelphia Phillies season preview.